1: Hi everyone, it's Jack Rico and welcome to Highly Relevant, a weekly podcast that explores how multicultural. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, just give me one second. I have to find the show for the podcast. Ah, here it is. Once upon a time, homie the clown went to a fancy white restaurant. <laughs>
0: Shane Whitey was the name.
1: I'm not sure if you remember when you first saw In Living Color, but I was about 16 years old living in Queens, New York. It was unlike anything I had seen before. It was a reflection of my personal surroundings, my friends, our urban way of speaking, our humor. It was a show almost designed for me in mind, and of course, it became my must-watch TV.
2: So on today's episode... I'm David Peisner, I'm the author of Homie Don't Play That, the story of In Living Color and the Black Comedy Revolution.
1: David and I will discuss why this book was so important for him to write, the significance of In Living Color today, the discovery of the talented cast members Jamie Foxx, Rosie Paris, Jennifer Lopez and Jim Carrey, why an English-language Latino sketch comedy has never been successful, and the reasons of why so many people love Black entertainment.
2: and Ivory Wands stood up, kissed his mom on the cheek, high-fived his younger brother Sean and hugged his dad. Smiling broadly, dressed in a sharp black tuxedo, he paused for a split second as if to take in the moment just for himself. It would have been hard to script a triumph any more complete than the one he was in the middle of. He'd just heard his old friend Jerry Seinfeld say it, and the winner of this year's Emmy is In Living Color.
1: That's David Peisner reading an excerpt from his new book. He's been writing about television, music, film, books, and pop culture overall for more than 20 years. But why did a white kid from the suburbs of Detroit end up writing about in living color?
2: For for me, you know, this story was just, just the story of, you know, kind of the making and the, the unmaking of, of this really, you know, great show. But then there is, like, all of the stuff bubbling underneath, and the, for me, All of the stuff bubbling underneath is the reason why I wrote the book.
1: The stuff bubbling underneath which David is alluding to is about the racial, social, and political commentary beneath the gags and jokes. Take, for example, Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer in this skit from the show, where Wayans' character admonishes Greer for having heirs of a job promotion. Day's a big day. I'm moving up. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Don't fool yourself, my brother. They ain't never gonna let that happen. (laughs) What are you talking about? Peterson told me I'm in the number one position for this promotion. Well, then let me tell you something, my brother. The white man ain't never gonna put a black man in charge of his french fries. They just don't give us that type of power. Man, why are you so negative? Hey, I ain't negative. I'm just real, my brother. What is the importance behind In Living Color? What is the cultural significance of that show to the point that there's a book made about it and that you spent three years of your own personal life to write it?
2: I saw In Living Color as a way, as kind of a window into and, and, a, and a route to tell this story about this moment in time, uh, the late 80s, early 90s. And what to me seemed like a real kind of cultural awakening but when i look at culture just popular culture now is informed by hip-hop by black culture and this could be you know taylor swift is informed by hip-hop culture all all of those things shaped the culture that we're living in now
1: what is it about black entertainment that 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 caucasians like and love so much
2: wow um they're better at it. I don't
0: know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's be um, real for a second.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't.
0: Know. But break I mean, that like
1: down the... for me. Break that down for me because everything has a nah, I
0: mean,
2: Okay, look, I-, I would say this and, and I-, I wouldn't uh, confine it just to black entertainment, but comedy specifically, you know, kind of grows out of oppression. It grows out of, you know, you can't say the things, uh, you don't have the power so whether it's Jewish comedy or black comedy or whatever comedy, you know, they always talk about, you know, comedy should punch up, not punch down. And so because of African-Americans history in this country, they've always been punching up.
0: There is a lack of roles for
1: African-Americans in film and in television. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Come on. What about Americans most wanted? <laughs> Good point. That's all you ever see of black guys on that. And, and what about the show Cops? Heck, if they took the black guys off that, we wouldn't even have
2: a show. But there is just such a depth to, to, the, to the comedy, I guess because it grows out of pain, because it makes, and that, that makes it real. So whether it's black comedy or you know whatever comedy um, or whatever entertainment, when it's coming out of that place of you need it. It's not, just a, it's not just a diversion. You need that. You need what, um, something to make you laugh, to make you smile, to make you dance, to make you sing. You need that to, to kind of bolster your spirit. I think that automatically gives it just more heft.
1: Many of the skits that you've been hearing throughout this episode are from the incredibly talented cast of the show. Actually, it's one of the key reasons In Living Color is still talked about today, almost 25 years after its cancellation.
2: Keenan deserves a, a like gargantuan amount of credit for that. He had an advantage from the beginning, which was that he was going to put his family members on the show, and they happened to be very talented themselves. So, you know, Damon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, you know, th- these guys were ha- had talent. So he had already kind of a nice base.
1: But it was outside of his family where Keenan Ivory Wayans arguably found the most talented roster of performers, which included movie star Jim Carrey. Oh, righty Oscar winner Jamie Foxx.
0: And the Oscar goes to Jamie Foxx and Ray.
1: Superstar Jennifer Lopez. And actress Rosie Perez.
0: If I have a problem, you're not supposed to solve it. Men always make the mistake of thinking they can solve a woman's problem.
2: Why, why did the show end? <laughs> well, the, the reason why Keenan left was something that was eminently solvable. It was a problem that they could have solved. The show could have gone on at least for a little while um but it wasn't people got upset you know (laughs) words were said and he walked away so once he walked away and, and essentially took his family with him there's a huge hole in the center of the show uh for a season and a half they they do their best to paper it over and and i think the years after the the season and a half after he leaves gets a terrible rap People say it was all garbage. It wasn't. There's still funny sketches there. Jim Carrey is still there. Jamie Foxx is still there. Tommy Davidson and David Alan Greer are still there. It's still funny, but it, it what it lacks is an identity. It lacks a, a cohesive vision, which was essentially Keenan. In
1: 1994, when the show was officially canceled, I would wonder here and there if the show would ever return. Back in 2013, Oprah sat down for a Wayans family reunion where Keenan touched on the topic.
0: Now I heard you were thinking about doing it again. Is that true? That you
1: I had about? sat down with Fox, and we'd even gone as far to, to uh, try to do a pilot, but I realized that talent has changed. Like, every generation is different, mm-hmm. right? And so you were a showman, you know, where you had to sing and dance and do characters and impressions. And that's not the way it is now. now. People, are, they're still funny, very funny, but they don't do all of those things in one.
2: The next person who, who does a show like this has to be kind of an unknown. It has to be somebody with both something to prove and nothing to lose. Um, because if when you look at, that's what Chappelle was, that's what Keenan was. Those, those guys were in a, a position where they had everything to prove and nothing to lose. When you've got things to lose, you're gonna pull punches. You know, when when you don't have things to prove, you're not you're not going to go as far as you need to go.
1: I wanted to ask you about why do you think Latinos haven't had a successful sketch show ever made?
2: Well, it's it's uh, I'm I'm glad you asked that because uh, that is you know a, a a bit in the book, which is so when In Living Color was on, within like a year or two, they realized. You know they needed to expand. They could. It couldn't just be about black culture. And and the obvious expansion was Latino culture. And the guy that they really focused their energy on on bringing into the show was John Leguizamo. She
1: doesn't care. She just reaches over and she goes coochie 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 and one two three. paró
2: <laughs> He was. Uh, he had a one man show. I think it was Mambo Mouth that was really successful. He had all these characters. And you know they targeted him as like this is this guy's the holy grail, and once we bring him in, it's going to open up the show to the, to, to Latinos. And John Leguizamo obviously never came on the sh- came on the show. He didn't join the show. Uh, you know the reason for that, I think John Leguizamo's managers and agents thought that John Leguizamo should have his own show and not be on somebody else's show. Mm. But, but what did happen is, is that John Leguizamo did get his own sketch show called House of Bugging on Fox.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Latin from Manhattan, loving you like satin, John Leguizamo!
2: The show didn't work. What people had said was that Latino culture had not infiltrated outside of Latino communities in the same way that black culture had by that point. And so the jokes weren't translating uh, as well to, to essentially white people, you know? Um, so, so it was, you know, it wasn't that they weren't necessarily funny or well-written. It was that the audience w- was, was looking at them a little, you know, blank-faced. Right, and like so, it
1: wasn't as, the, 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 the jokes, the social commentary wasn't as relevant.
2: The black icons that um, In Living Color would make fun of had some visibility in the broader community whereas the latino icons not even just the icons but the ideas weren't mainstream enough.
1: the name of the book is called homie don't play that the story of in living color and the black comedy revolution david peisner thank you for being in the highly relevant podcast thank you so much it's been great if you like this podcast please subscribe and leave a review on our itunes page also if you like a shout out on the show you can reach out to me on Twitter at Jack Rico Official. That's at Jack Rico official. In the meantime, I'd like to thank book publisher Simon and Schuster and author David Pizer, whose new book, Homie Don't Play That, The Story of In Living Color and the Black Comedy Revolution is out now. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.
0: Everybody here is equally kind. Live in color. And how much you feel knowing everybody was different From thin to thick through thick and thin An physical trip was put to an end In living color you Do what you wanna do live In living color You, you walk the moon, float like a balloon You see it's never too late and it's never too soon Take it from me, it's I to be And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true! Overwhelming power! Oh. The sauce of destiny!
1: Yes!